The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Now let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for just this beautiful Sunday. Thank you, Lord, that we're here and we are getting to gather as a family and worship you, Lord. Thank you for this time that we get to open our hearts to your word. Lord, I pray that you would just put all of our distractions aside for a moment and that we would be really open to what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Um, Happy New Year. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Randall, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. And today is Vision Sunday. So just as uh, Janie talked about, just as Brooke talked about, today is a really important day. As we start out the year um, with this new year, 2021, I think it's important for us as a church family to, to really look at why we're here, where we're going, where we've been. Um, that's the beautiful thing about New Year, you know, and, and being able to do that together as a church family. And so I hope that you personally are, are doing that too. You're, you're evaluating, you're, you're looking at, okay, well, what was last year like? Um, what is this upcoming year looking like? And what are some things maybe that, that God is doing in my life right now that, that he wants to transform me and make me more into the image of Jesus in? Um, and so we're going to be doing that as a church family right now as we look at the scripture today. So if you got your Bibles, we are in Acts 4. We're going to be continuing through the book of Acts, and we're looking at verses 13 through 22. And as we started the book of Acts, uh, we know that we've been in kind of a, a trialsome year. I don't even know if that's a word, trialsome year. Um, there's been a lot that's gone on, right? Um, not only in our world, but also in our church and the transitions that we've had and all of those things. Um, and so we started out as we came to the park by just going through the book of Acts because we want to return back to what the really, really the heart of the church is meant to be. What is the church? Why are we gathering together? What's the purpose of all of this? You see, we want to get back to the heart of what the church is. And as we look at today's text, here's the message and here's really the vision of what we want to be. A Christ-centered people. A Christ-centered people. Right, like when, when, there's, when there's other things that are trying to, to take us in directions and, and, and pull us in, in 
all these ways where it feels like we're being torn apart. Like what's the foundation that we say, this is what my life is built on. What my hope is, is that as a church family and as you individually, it's this, that you find a foundation in Jesus Christ. That, that it's a solid foundation in Jesus. Because just like Jesus gave the illustration, it's either you're building your life on the rock or the sand. And the sand is shifting, but the rock stays consistent. And so for us as a church family and for us as individuals, we want to be consistent people. You know, one of the things that I've said, and this is the, the thing that God has really, I've asked him to grow me in, is, is just being a consistent person. You know, as things just kind of change and, and weed themselves out and all that stuff happens, right? Like, I want to be consistent. And so asking the Lord to do that in my life, and the way that that happens is when Christ is consistent in our lives. That's the foundation, so again, as we think about Vision Sunday, here, here's what this is. This is an opportunity for us to be reminded of who we are, remember where we've been, and look where we're headed. Now, Leslie Newbegin, um, who wrote a lot of great things to, to help us to think about uh, the Christian life, he said this, he says, nostalgia for the past and fear for the future are equally out of place for the Christian." Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And you know, there, there's a temptation for some of us right now to live in the nostalgia of the past. I wish it was the way it used to be. Or we are so trapped in the fear of the future. I don't know what's going to happen. It's so uncertain. Is the, are, are the vaccines going to work? Is the pandemic going to end? Like what is going to happen? that we're living in one of these two worlds. And so, like I said, we just get pulled apart in a different direction. But what's going to center us? Said Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. It's ultimately that as Christians, as a church family, we believe that there is a living hope. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3, there's a living hope. What is that living hope? It's not an ideology, it's a person. Jesus Christ is alive. He's seated on the throne. That hasn't changed. And so today we can, we can take rest and, and put our hope in something that's, that's real. See, it's the belief that God is alive. He's working. He's working right now in the midst of all the challenges that we face. And he will continue to work. And that's a good thing. And so I've had to remind myself of that again and again this year. God, Jesus, you're on the throne. You are sovereign. You're in control. You know what's going on. And I'm putting my hope and my trust in you. And so for us as a church family, first, who are we as Grace City? Well, our vision is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And you'll hear that again and again. But what does that mean? It's this, that we're not a church that's here for ourselves, but we're here as a church for others. And that our lives are meant to be poured out for the glory of Jesus. And here's the thing. We believe that new life can be found in Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that right now are looking for hope in a lot of different directions. And they're looking for new life and a lot of new things. But those things aren't going to offer the kind of life that only Jesus can. So as a church family, we say that's who we are. That's our vision 
And we want to see more people come to know who Christ is. And the way that we do that in our mission is this, to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. It's to know that this book right here isn't just a book that we put on our shelf, but is meant to lived out, li- be lived out in everyday life, in every part of our lives. Doing this Bible study right now with a, a, a group of young guys, and we're going through this book. And one of the things that, one of the chapters was about um, identity. And so it's like, okay, here's your identity. Here's who Jesus says you are. Here's who God says you are. You're, you're my child. I love you. But then we got to this other chapter about roles, about the different roles you play in life. And what it talks about is like, you know, for me, for instance, I play the role of I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor. You know, I've got all these different roles that I'm playing, my friend. You got all these different roles. And so what can happen is those roles can become, slowly creep into becoming your identity and who you are. And what that does is it really messes you up. Because if you're failing in any of those roles, it's going to crush you. But you were never meant to make that your identity. Your identity was meant to be in Jesus as a child of God every single day, not based on what you do, but what he's done for you. And so for us as a church family, like, I want to equip you with you knowing that your identity is in Jesus. And that today, if you don't know Jesus, he'll invite you into that and say that it's worth putting your identity in that. Because all these other things, they're, they're, they're going to change. But that won't. And we believe that that's meant to go into your everyday life. Now that's who we are, but where have we been? Well, if you're just joining us, uh, you know, in 2020, uh, we just celebrated five years of being a church. We started as a church plant started as a Bible study in a backyard with the hopes of meeting and gathering together, living on mission. What I mean by that is just living out our faith and our community here. By God's grace, we've been able to do that for five years. But also this past year, we attempted to do a strategic alliance with First Baptist Church, which is a church down the street. I've been friends with Scott for ever since I came into the neighborhood. You know, and, and that was really a heartbreaking thing that we went through as a church, um, that, that it didn't go through, you know, one vote. But again, people ask, like, how, how do you process that? Well, God's in charge. God knows what he's doing. God is sovereign. I, I, I put my hope in a, in a living hope in, in, in Christ, right? So as a church family, I know that we're only here because of God. He placed us here in this community to live as believers for his glory. And on top of all of that stuff that we went through, we also went through a global pandemic, right? But here's the thing. We're still here. We're gathering. And I believe that God is teaching us something right now in the season that we're in. This isn't like some wasted season, some wasted thing that's happening right now. But there's a lesson that we are all learning as we're out here together as a church family. Because I hope that as you look around, you start to see the faces of people. At the end of the day, you want to know what Grace City is? You want to know what the church is? It's people. 
It's families, it's relationships. As we all journey towards following and trusting Jesus. I was talking with a friend not too long ago and it was a great conversation because he said, you know, you've been through all of this, but he said, I, I just want to know, what, what's under the hood? Like, what, what is Grace City? What's under the hood of Grace City? And I think in that moment, what I, what I realized, what he was asking was this, what's the heart of Grace City? What, what is this all about? And it's not just something that's up on this banner. But what I've seen over these years is, again, it's, it's equipping people, real life people, to live out their faith, to be real Christians, to really trust Jesus. It's about being a Christ-centered people. I hope more and more that as you're a part of this church community, this church family, that you're finding more and more that Jesus is better. He's better. And so today as we look at this text, you know, as we look at Acts and, and really pull it 2,000 years into today, what is it that we can take away from what we see in the life of John and Peter in this text? Well, I think it's very relevant for us as we think about Vision Sunday today. And so we see that they're living out their faith in three ways. And I hope that this is what we see in Grace City. The first one is a clear connection. Number two is a distinct difference. And number three is a greater guide. A clear connection, a distinct difference, and a greater guide. And so the first one is a clear, a clear connection. Look verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, what this should do is really help us to think back on who John and, and who Peter were. Where did they start? Right, if you were to look back on the history of their life, where did they start? Uneducated, common men, fishermen. In the society that they lived in, they were just blue collar, normal, ordinary people. The, the word that's used for um, uneducated is a word that's actually been transliterated into our language, idiote. So that they were, according to these people, idiotes. But there was something that happened in their life. There was a clear connection. There was a change that happened in their life. And here's what the connection was. It was that there was a man named Jesus who came and said, come follow me. No longer will you fish like that, but I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus came into their life and made a real connection. A real 
change happened in them. And then after Jesus, here's what, here's what is standing before these men, before the, the Supreme Court of the time. Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, that was the connection. That was the change. That, that Jesus took these ordinary, unskilled people and changed them into something that they weren't before. What, what, what shocked the leaders of the time was it says that they, they saw the boldness of them. The boldness of Peter and John. Now, what made them so bold? Well, that Jesus was alive. See, again, these religious leaders had tried to cover up the resurrection of Jesus. They tried to cover up that, that Jesus was alive and had, had done all these miracles. They wanted to cover it all up and act like it wasn't real. And Peter and John, when we find them at the death of Jesus, they'd scattered, they'd run, they denied Christ. These weren't bold men on their own strength. They weren't. It's one, it's one of the clear proofs of why the resurrection is true. And so now they're standing before the religious leaders of the time. And it says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. As we think about coming into this new year, many times what can happen is we get discouraged. We get discouraged about where we're at in life. We get discouraged with the areas in our life that are, are still needing growth. We beat ourselves up and say, man, why am I not at this place or that place? But I just want to encourage you that for the years that these men were with Jesus is when they started to change, right? And they were still connected with Jesus, the living Jesus. They were, they were transforming and changing into who they were meant to be. And they didn't start out as these bold preachers of the gospel. But Jesus is transforming them over time. And my hope is that as we come into this year, you know that usually growth, it's like incremental. <laughs> because here's the question I want you to think about. It's not, are you where you want to be? And, and, and has God fully gotten you to this place where you've overcome all of your temptations, all of your sins? No. Are you closer to him? And are you further along than you were a year ago? Two years ago? Three years ago? Right? It's this incremental growth that you're connected with Jesus, that he's going to do this in your life. It's, sometimes it's going to be huge leaps, but most times it's going to be steps. And as you're looking at these men here, the reason they were who they were is because they had been with Jesus. Being with Jesus changes you. 
And so my hope is that as a church body, it's not about just us being together, but it's us being with Jesus. And that we're going to be different, and we're going to be changed, and he's going to continue to grow us in our lives. Secondly, it's this, a distinct difference. Look at verses 14 through 17. But seeing the man uh, who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may uh, spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Okay, so just to catch up here, what's happening here? Well, the most powerful human authority, again, the Supreme Court of that time, is coming against Peter and John. The rulers, the elders, the scribes, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all the high priestly family, everybody's gathered, all the intimidating people. Again, this was the gathering of the most religious people, the most educated theologians of their day. And they are putting two what they would say is idiotes on trial. And they're just confounded by what's happening. See, these people who had no formal religious education, but had spent time with Jesus. And what's the difference between the leaders, the religious leaders of this time, and the apostles? Well, the religious leaders like to argue. They like to make points. They like to tell people what to do. They like to make problems. The apostles are actually making a difference. They're actually making a difference. Do you know what's happening in our world right now? In our nation? That when people think of Christians... What do they think of? They think of people who are ready to argue, make points, instead of making a difference. And so as we look at the early church and what it was about, it was about John and Peter taking a crippled man, an outsider, a man trapped in poverty and lifting him up out of poverty for the glory of God. See, what this is, is saying, you know what? I'm not just going to talk about it, but I'm going to be about it. And I'm going to stand up against the people who are going to just want to argue about things. I want to be a real Christian. I want to live out the gospel. And do you know that right now as a church, and I'm talking about the Big C Church too, we got to get down to actually making a difference instead of just making points and arguments. Yes, there are going to be times where we say, yes, this, this makes sense. This is things that we need to discuss right now. But how are we practically making a difference in the world? 
How are we making this a better place? How are we making this a better community? That's the things we need to be asking and praying about and saying, God, help us to live this out. See, very few times is it that people get argued into the kingdom. Right, we make our points, we make our arguments. But at the end of the day, what they look at is your life. They say, has that made a difference in their life? Are they a different, a changed person because of Jesus being in their life? And then you know what happens? Jesus makes a difference in their life. And the apostles were willing to do that. One of the organizations that we've supported from the start has been Compassion International. A few years ago, we got to plant a church through Compassion in Ecuador. Got to send a team out there to visit the church. Some of you are sponsoring kids that are a part of that church our hope is to get another trip to go out there again and visit the community out there. And I think from the beginning, you know, people were like, man, you guys are crazy. You just started your church plan. You don't have a lot of resources. But to plant, be a part of a church plan and to give, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> But you know what? I think for us, it's the impact that's made on us and to be able to make a difference. Recently, I got to do an interview with a staff member from Compassion International. Um, and his name's Sandeep. And this, his story just hit me. It hit me to the core because it was like, man... In the midst of all of the challenges, like thinking about what he's been through. So he grew up in Calcutta. He grew up with basically, he lived in a shack. He said the grocery store that he went to was usually the dumpster. And he, he, he remembered looking out at this school that he couldn't go to because his family couldn't afford to go there. For him to go there. And being told, get out of here, kid. You don't deserve to be here. You're just a poor kid. Leave. And then through the local church that was planted there, through Compassion International, he was sponsored by some people that were in Kentucky, and then it just radically changed his life. Pulled him out of power. It's really a trap. It's a system. There are systems in this world that are evil. Pulled him out of this system by God's grace. Brought him into this place now where him and his family are sponsoring kids. Got an education. Ended up going to that same school where the the security guard told him, get out of here, kid. You don't deserve to be here. Ended up going to that school. Graduating from there. Right, that, that's, that's what it means to be a Christian, like to, to change, to change, the, to make a difference, right? Because God is doing that in our lives. And so what I'm saying is as a church family, like we want to be those type of people. They're saying, at the end of the day, I want to make a difference. And lastly, it's this. Look at verse 
verses 18 through 22. A greater guide. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. Uh, For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Makes me feel great as I'm 38 years old, almost 40, like a 40-year-old, you know? This thing, Abby, is so old. Um, So um, here's the thing. Last point. A greater guide. A greater guy. As we as we look at this, here, here's what I need to ask. What's your true north? What dictates your decision making? What's what's your why? Recently read an article called God Centered Goals. Great article, Gospel Coalition article, God Centered Goals. Are the goals that we're making honoring God? Like, what, what is my true north? Because John and Peter, they make it clear for their lives what, what their clear direction was, what, what helped them with their decision-making. Here's what it was. Verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help but speak about it. We can't help but be true to what God is doing. You know one of the the descriptors in the Old Testament about the people, when they left and went to evil practices, the people of God, they left and went to evil practices, it it says um, that they did evil in the sight of God. You got all the judges Throughout there, it just keeps saying it like they just did evil in the sight of God. They did evil in the sight of God. You know what happens many times? We, 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 we live life as if God isn't there. If God doesn't see everything, right? That's how we live. And so what happens is we think we are actually the captain of our own lives, We're the captain of our own. I'm just steering my ship. And then, God, if you want to get on board on my ship, you can kind of get on board, and I'm just going to go where I'm going to go. But no, what it means to live in the sight of God is to say, no, God is my guide. God is the one who directs me. God is the one who speaks into my life and gives me the advice that I need in situations where I don't know what to do. God's the guide. See, this is, this is what it looks like to live this out. Galatians 1.10 says this, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? This is Paul speaking. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so Paul makes this huge distinction. He says, if you're actually going to be a servant of Christ, then... Christ is going to be the one who really guides and directs your life. It's the voice that guides your life. Again, this article, Paul Worcester, 
He asks this question. He, this is the first question he asks. He says, as you're thinking about your goals, do I want to glorify God or glorify myself? He says, setting goals aren't bad, but this is the temptation. If I'm not careful, I can gravitate toward goals that have the subtle motivation for glorifying myself. So I need God to filter my heart, my life, how I'm living. I need a greater guide. Because verse 21, here's what it says. For all were praising God for what had happened. You know what happens when your life is guided by God, a greater guide? People start to look at your life and they say, man, God is great. It's him. How's this church here? God, that's it. How am I alive today? This is God. That's it. He's had so much grace on my life. He's had so much grace on our lives. I need a greater guide. And so as we come into this new year, it doesn't stop being that. It's always been that from the start. We've always needed a greater guide in our life. And at the end of it, my hope is that people be praising God for what has happened. You know, one of the coolest things I've seen this year, in the midst of all the crazy challenges, my neighbor wrote a, a Facebook post. And she shared a little bit about her faith. Um, shared that she's more Catholic. But she, um, she said she's, she's writing down all of these different organizations that you should support to her friends. And she said, um, you know, Grace City, they're doing a lot of good in the community. And I think you should support them. And she's my neighbor across the street. And I love her. We, we love her. Like, I worked with her on community projects and councils and all that stuff. But do you know what that, that is? That, that's God, man. That's glory to God. Right? That's making a difference. And so I wanted to say thank you, like, because in this neighborhood, there are people that believe that this church is making a difference because I've always asked the question, like, if we were, again, to, like, disappear one day, if we were gone, would people notice? It's a good question to ask. My hope is, yeah. Because, again, it, it's something that God's done and he's brought us here. And so we give all glory and praise to him for those things. So just some takeaways. What's next? Well, our focus is going to continue to be outward, not inward. And what I mean by that is this, that we're not just here taking up space. We're here to make a difference. Jonathan Brooks said, do we really believe God is pleased when we focus on spiritual needs to the neglect of the physical, mental, and social needs of our neighborhoods? Like, how are we making a difference in our neighborhood? That's the questions we need to be asking ourselves. How are we good neighbors, just as Jesus calls us to be? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we take that seriously? 
Do we take a moment to listen to what people are going through? My hope is that as a church, we do that. and We take the time to do that well. There are people that are really struggling this year, really hurting, really looking for answers. My hope is that the church during this time can be the ones that can stand in the gap and say, we're here to listen. We're here to love. We're here to encourage you. We're here to point you to Christ. Next one is this. For our church, I want us to be aligned, not misaligned. And I feel like for us right now, what we're asking, everything's on the table. It's just like, what are we supporting? What are we doing? What are we a part of? What's the trajectory of our church? I feel like for us, it's always been this, that we've been here to fight for the least of these, for the underdog. Because I feel like that's kind of how we've been as a church. But that's what we're here for. We're here to, to be here for the broken, for the hurting, for the lost. And for me, it's about raising up leaders and pouring into the future leaders that are here right in our midst. See, as you look around, what I see is a, is a strong group of believers. And I'm thankful for all of you. And I just want to say that I'm here to commit my life and to pour into you as much as I can. And to cheer you on and say, keep going in this race. You know, one of the joys that I've gotten getting to do is just like sit with some future church planners and like coach them and help them. And like, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen is just a lot of like fear. It's a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. And just to tell them like, hey man, I've been there. I know how it feels. I'm here to pray with you. And so for our church, like we're really praying about that right now of like, okay, how can we be about that? Because you know what? Someday I hope that among this group that we'll be able to raise up more and more leaders that will be able to, to do great things for the kingdom of God. Next, it's equipping, not holding. Equipping, not holding. And so, you know, some of the things that can happen sometimes in church is like we're just trying to hold your attention to just be here every week. That's not what we're here for. We're here to, to, to give you the resources you need to be a stronger Christian. We're here to, to, to push you forward in your faith and say, hey, we're, again, we're cheering you on. And so a part of that, one of the things that, that I've seen is just, and, and I'm saying this because I didn't, I didn't start out as a Christian. Like, you know, I came to faith when I was in high school and then I didn't know the Bible and all that stuff. And so I just want to say that this is a safe place to say, I don't know. I don't know those things. I don't have the biblical education. I don't have all that stuff. Um, I need some help. It's okay to say that. It's a safe place to say that. And so I'm going to be doing um, just three classes. It's called Foundations. Okay, it's just really what it is. It's just first the foundation of what the gospel is and really helping you understand that and, and really get deep in that. Another one is just the basics of like, what does it look like for Orthodox Christianity? You know, what is the basics of Christianity? And then lastly, it's just like, how do I live this out? And so I'm going to be doing that class this month. Just three, three classes over Zoom. But again, 
if there's anybody here that wants to be a part of that, that's what we want to do because I'm serious about equipping you with the gospel. We're serious about that. Maybe you've been in the church your whole life and you're just like, I still don't understand. It's okay. Come be a part of the class. Come be in that. And then the other thing that we've seen is this, that there are parents, and I'm just speaking as a parent, where it's really hard to know how to disciple your kids. You don't know how to. Nobody's ever sat down and said, hey, here's how we do this. And so we want to start a family ministry to help equip parents. So next week, bringing out Jessica Thompson, who's wrote, written those different books, but she's just a great resource. Because I'm seeing kids that are growing up and they, they you know, it's like we, as parents, it's so hard to just make it each day just to get, you know, like lunch ready, <laughs> get the homework done, all that stuff. It's like, how do we disciple our kids? So we're going to try to to do that. <laughs> We're really going to be intentional about that. Kathy, we've been talking with the kids' ministry. It's like, what does it look like to be a family ministry? To equip families well with the gospel. Because it's hard. And we want to have a support system here to do that. So next week, 8.30 a.m. here, Jessica's going to be here to help us. And we're going to get on this journey together and we're really going to, to, to lean into this time that we have. What a season we live in, right? We're in the middle of a park. And, and I think one of the things that God's really clearly telling us is this, that I'm not going to make you an insider church. I'm going to make you an outsider church. I'm going to make you people that are not going to hide your faith, but you're going to live it out. And let that speak to us in this season that we're in. Because at the end of the day, it's about this, sending, not keeping. I understand that everybody here, we all have seasons, man. We all do. And this church has always been built on a marathon mentality, not a sprint. Because we believe that you are the church. And we just want to be consistent each week. Because we want to be a Christ-centered people. You know, as I was talking with my friend and, and he was asking me those questions about what's under the hood, one of the challenging questions he asked me is this. He said, okay, let's say you got people here in your church for two to four years, right? People move on, things happen. Like if you've got two to four years, if this is a transient area, how are you going to disciple people? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make disciples because that's what the church is all about. And here's my hope. Ephesians 3.21, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, in the church, and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, kids, all the way to the elderly. Every generation, forever and ever, amen. Church for all people. Right here, making disciples, every age, to the glory of God. That's what we want to be. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that 
through your power, through your strength, that that happens. We can't do it. I can't do it. But I've said that about this church from the start. And I know, God, that you, you, you saw me and you saw our church before we even existed. And I pray, God, that we can be faithful to the calling that you've given us to equip people, to be for people, to, to help be a resource, to help walk with people, whatever they're going through. Lord, we're all starting in different places, and you know that. And so help us, Lord, just to be able to be sensitive to that and to see that. Because we want to be a church that really does make a difference in this world. And we want to do that for your glory and for your namesake. Thank you, Lord, for being <laughs> so gracious to us and so good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.